it wouldn't matter even if I did say that, if there was any doubt or bit of untruth in that. The one who matters most, God would know my heart's not pure in saying that. I may be able to convince you, the listener, that I would do that. But if it's not truth, what does it matter? It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's Matthew 3, 3. In our study today of the third chapter of the book of Matthew, uh, we look in depth at what Jesus was tempted with and some life application that we can pull from it. Welcome to Discipleship Conditioning. We're glad that you're here. It's been a very eventful week. Uh, for us here, and uh, we're excited to be able to join you again on this weekly basis. Our other podcast was off on Monday due to the holiday, and we will see you again on that podcast called Biblical Anatomy next Monday. Benefit of today is simply a deep dive. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, We're going to look at chapter four, the book of Matthew. I think I said chapter three just a moment ago. Uh, which is incorrect, I apologize. Chapter 4, The Temptation of Jesus. We bring together Christians who strive to follow the light of God over the darkness of this world, to renew our mindsets through shared experience and discipleship so we can better love the Lord our God. Uh, That verse I misquoted at the very beginning. Sorry, I don't know why I have it written down as Matthew 3.3. That's Matthew 4.4. Okay. Uh, So our application, let's start just thereafter at Matthew 4, 5 through 6. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of a temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. So this is the devil speaking to Jesus and using scripture to sort of uh, negotiate his way with him and uh, try and convince him. So what I've pointed out here is one main highlight, for it is written. For the devil to use scripture against Jesus, obviously he falls short and he loses. And his point does not stand because it is not based in truth. And I've said this before, but if the devil is the father of lies, he's probably pretty good at it, right? And there's probably no extent to with which he will stop. Uh, Clearly here, he's willing to use scripture against God's people and including against God himself. So, I think right now what I'd like to do is really contemplate for a minute, both you and I, what bended truths has the devil spoken to you? If we think back to Genesis, I believe it was the third chapter of Genesis, the lie that the serpent told to Eve. It wasn't a blatant lie. Uh, It was a manipulation. 
It was a bended truth that by definition was a lie, but it was clever, right? And so for me, money's a big one that's on my heart right now. The devil may say to me, you can't get by without money. Many of us would say, well, that's, that's true. Uh, we need money to pay for our house. We need money to pay for food. Money is sort of our exchange. Uh, but it hasn't always been that way. And you're seeing a, uh, a drive of people and a population of people that are moving off-grid and are building their own homes debt-free. And they're growing their own food and they're hunting for their own land. And living pretty close to money-free as, as can possibly be. In fact, if society was to crumble, as many extreme conservatives think may happen, what value would money have at that point? Nothing. Nothing at all. Dave Ramsey talks about this in one of his recent podcasts. Uh, if society crumbles, it doesn't matter how many real estate properties he has. They now belong to whoever shows up at his door with a gun. So... Interesting to think about the connotation associated with money and the value that we put on it and the bended truths that the devil tells us in order to create fear in us, to get his way with us. We then move on quite a bit to Matthew 4, 18 through 20. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. What I'd like to fall, uh, focus on is that last part there. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Does this seem bizarre to anyone else? That was their profession. They were fishermen. And immediately they left those nets. They left their profession and they followed him. Right? But sadly, why do I refer to it as bizarre? Well, it's because our court, uh, cultural norm would value money and value a profession and one's livelihood more so than our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with God. Who today would immediately drop their nets and follow him? I hope it would be me. I hope it would be me. But I'm not going to sit up here on a high horse and say undoubtedly it would be me and that I'm better than anyone because it would be me. It wouldn't matter even if I did say that if there was any doubt or bit of untruth in that. The one who matters most, God would know my heart's not pure in saying that. I may be able to convince you, the listener, that I would do that. But if it's not truth, what does it matter? It's profound that they gave up everything in an instance. Now we know they gave up everything and they received everything in return. But do we really believe that? We read the scriptures, but do we really believe that if we give up everything, we will truly get everything in return? How many idols do we have set up in our house? Money's an easy one. But if God were to say today, sell your TV, sell your car, sell this, I want no idols before me, and I want it to be just a relationship, me to you. Get rid of the things that are in the way of that relationship. Would we do it? 
how much hesitation would there be on our behalf? And if that's an issue, that's probably going to come up as a command and probably as a test from God at some point in your life. If we hold anything in our homes and our lives as idols, you better believe at some point in our lives that's an avenue in which we're going to be tested. You know, if I have a card collection that I value more than anybody in my life, you better believe at some point in time that's either I'm either going to be given the option to get rid of that because it's servicing as an idol in my life, or maybe there's a house fire and maybe it's taken from me and it's all worth nothing. It's all rubbish at that point in time. Why? Because I was serving an idol and I wasn't willing to let go of that. And I'll tell you in my life, the times that I've let go of something that I've been idolizing, all of this holds true. I've been given back everything. I've been given back more than I had prior. Because it's about it's a heart issue. It's about committing. It's about giving up everything and removing all roadblocks in your relationship with God. Some of us have a difficult time even opening our Bible in the morning or evening or any time of day, let alone sell our TV or sell our vehicle. But here we have Simon and Andrew, the first two disciples. They gave up everything. A little later on, in fact, the very next set of verses, Matthew 4, 21 through 22, and going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Again, immediately, they left the boat and their father this time and followed him. Third and fourth disciples, James and John, immediately giving up their livelihoods, giving up everything they know to follow God. What are we clinging to that's preventing us from doing that? As time goes on, I'll tell you more about what's going on in my personal life, but it's been quite a bit that's occurred in the last week. And this is a perfect chapter in the book of Matthew for me to be covering for myself. As so often in this podcast, I'm preaching to myself. What am I clinging to? Now is a perfect opportunity to let go of those idols. Are we in some way telling the Lord, well, come back. Why don't you come back in two years after I finish this project or this job? Or why don't you come back when I'm not as happy with my job and the time's better for me? Do we realize how silly that is? Do we realize the things we say to the creator of space and time and everything we know? It's like if you were to be able to create ants and you had an ant farm and you look down and you said, hey, it's time to go. And the ant says, no, hold on a second. I've got to build three more hills and then I'll go ahead and I'll head with you. It's a silly analogy. But why, why are we doing that? Why are we going to... Why do we think we're so important that we can say things like that? 
and that we can do things like that. Well, we think we can because we can. We've been given free will, right? But what a disappointment and misuse of free will. Maybe not misuse. We're, we're making a choice, right? We're using free will correctly. <clears throat> but what a wrong choice, a poor choice, an incorrect choice. When would be the perfect time? If God's communicating with you, when would be the perfect time for me to come back? No, no, it's fine. I'm, I'm creator of space and time. I'll wait on you. When would be the perfect time to come back? It, it, it's just absolutely ridiculous. <clears throat> I think that we're going to regret our hesitation. I think that as we look back, we're certainly going to be asking for forgiveness. But if we've already asked for forgiveness in our lives in so many ways, but yet we still deny in these ways, how meaningful is it to ask for forgiveness there later when we, we're supposed to know better now? I mean, what would the opportunity need to look like in order for us to react in the same way these four disciples, to leave their profession, leave their family, leave everything in that instant and go. What would the opportunity need to look like? Something to think about. You know, when I, I read Matthew 4, and again, my apologies for the beginning, misquoting there, uh, with Matthew 3 and with Matthew 4, I see a standard. I see God's standard. And me as an educator, the standard is very touching to my heart. When I teach, I teach to a standard. Here's my expectation. Here is what I'm teaching anatomy and physiology to, strength and conditioning to, whatever it is. Here's the standard. I'm old school and I rub people the wrong way. And when students have a difficult time, I say, here's the standard. How can I elevate you to that standard? How can I help you to that standard? Well, the test is too difficult. You're wanting me to lower the standard. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to lower the standard. Standard is here. How do we get you to that standard? And that's uncommon. It doesn't happen, but... I feel humble and I feel convicted in my position stance on that standard because it's it's right here. It's in scripture and the holiest person that ever existed, Jesus Christ, had a standard. Are you coming with me? That's that's my difficult ask. That's my standard. And you have a choice. You can say yes or no. You can meet the standard or not meet the standard. I love that. I absolutely love that. I'd like to remind everyone that we are self-sponsored. I mentioned our other podcast, <clears throat> Biblical Anatomy. We record that on Mondays, apart from holidays like this week. This podcast, Discipleship Conditioning, has been going on Wednesdays for a while. I think here in the future I might switch the day. Uh, again, depending on schedule, as I've alluded to, a lot's changed in the last week. I'll keep that private for now, but uh, open up as time comes on, time goes on. And uh, if there's a day change there, I'll notify and, and stay consistent. 
uh, on that weekly release. So if you'd like to reach out to us, we certainly could use prayers right now with everything going on in our lives over the last week. Uh, we'd love to communicate with you. You could reach out either at hello at erroratphysiology.com or prayer at erroratphysiology.com. If you're interested to see what we have going on, you could go to our website, erroratphysiology.com. Check out our podcast. Check out our community. Uh, everything's growing over there. We're really excited about what we have. We're really excited about uh, offering two podcasts that are self-sponsored, that there isn't this interjection of ads and those sorts of things. It's fantasy football time of year. I've been listening to a lot of fantasy football podcasts lately, and uh, it's really troubling that when I'm in the middle of a podcast that is a family-friendly show, and I have my daughter in the back seat, and we're on the way home from school, and all of a sudden there's this interjection of an ad um, that is made for my population, a 40-year-old male that is not family-friendly whatsoever. Um, it's not the only reason why I disagree with advertisements in the midst of shows, but um, it's a big one. And so it's my goal to keep ads out of this show, keep everything self-sponsored, but that requires uh, that we have communication, that we have emails coming back and forth, that we have engagement, um, that we have things going on in social media, and more importantly, we have things going on in our community. We have people buying programs. We have people interested in coursework that we have, those sorts of things. So this, this show does exist as a free format, but um, we want more than that. We want to have deeper connection with community. And that needs to exist in order for everything to make fiscal sense and for things like this to remain on the user's end as free. In case you're unaware, on our end, the podcast is not free. We pay a monthly or yearly fee, depending on how you set it up, to have this podcast hosted, to have it recorded, published, all of those things. And so consider that when you're listening to a podcast and you're listening to it for free, and despite all the efforts uh, gone into it to make sure that it was available to you for free. Money can be a hindrance to a number of people, myself included. And so if that's the case, please look at leaving a review and a rating. And uh, that's as good as money for us. It helps spread things and we appreciate it. So what should we take home today? What is our take home message? Well, it's a question. Will we follow him or are we waiting for the perfect time for us? I think it's a serious question we each, each of us should ask ourselves and honestly get to the depth of the answer. With that in mind, let's conclude with the Lord's Prayer. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen.